I thank you, God, for the incredible gift of your son Jesus to earth. And God, I thank you that you've given us a church family where we can come together, that we don't celebrate this just individually in front of a television. But Father, we celebrate this as your family here on earth. God, make the truth and the reality of that undescribable gift become more real in our hearts this year in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this would be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Beautiful, isn't it? And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about angels. And the Bible has a lot to say about angels, but one of the key things about angels is they are messengers of God. When God decides it's time to move, it's time to do something in your life or in, in the world among humanity, one of his ways is he sends messengers. I think if he showed up himself, we'd all die. So out of mercy to us, he sends powerful messengers to go carry out and bring his message to us as humans. You know, we have a lot of ways to communicate, don't we? used to be simpler, but there's a whole lot of ways we can communicate by email, text. Let's name a couple. What are some ways that we communicate to each other? Telephone. Oh, yes, that way. We actually call people. That's right. Um, other ways. WhatsApp. What's that one? Face-to-face. -face. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Handwritten letters. Wow, you're getting creative here. That's good. We've got Viber, Snapchat, Dribble, Skype, Hulu. Yeah, we got all sorts of things. But God's options, let me talk about some of God's options. He has options when he comes to communicate to us. One is through his holy word. 
God ever spoken to you through his holy word? You're reading something. We read and we read and we look and we hear the scripture. There's times where the holy word all of a sudden becomes the rhema word, the, the word that takes life in our souls. I can remember reading one day, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I remember that, that verse just jumping off the page. I mean, I probably read it a hundred times, but you read it and all of a sudden I realized the stress or the anxiety or the worry that I was carrying. And the Lord's like, Kent, cast your anxiety upon me. I care for you. The word became life and it's like, Lord, I give it to you. And that verse was a way that God spoke to me that day. The word has the power. It's a living word that has the power to speak to our lives. We can never get past consuming the word of God. We, there's different ways to do it. It may be by audio. It may be reading it. It may be on your tablet. I don't really care. But we have to continually be bringing the word of God, meditating on the word of God, because it's one way God speaks to us. Sometimes God speaks to us through a brother or sister. You ever had that? Someone speaks a word to you, maybe just a word of counsel, but it's a word that has greater weight than other words in your life. Something drops into your heart when someone speaks to you. We need each other. God speaks to us through each other. I do remember when Janet and I were wrestling on the decision of leaving the Dominican Republic and coming back here to pastor the church. And it was a wrestling for us. And there was a moment in this process where we decided, no, we're not doing it. It's not the Lord. We're not doing this. But I couldn't let this thing go. God had dropped something in my heart, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I went golfing with Sammy. And I was telling Sammy about this crazy invitation and this whole situation and we were like teeing off on the second hole and Sammy just kind of stopped and said, hey, uh, you know you missed it, don't you? I'm like, shut up, dude. I'm trying to follow God. He said, no, you, you, you missed this. This is the Lord. I'm like, just hit the ball. Leave me alone, you know. And, and then he, about the eighth hole, he had to go away, some phone call or somebody said, before I leave, um, you missed it. And you know, it was God speaking through Sammy to me. It just, I, I came home and I thought, how, okay, we've already decided no, and now we missed it. And God used that brother to change a direction in our lives because we'd missed it. And God had a better plan for us. God uses brothers and sisters to deliver messages to us. Sometimes the Lord speaks through a prophetic word. The Lord has, speaks through prophets, speaks through people who God has gifted in the prophetic, and they'll speak to us, and it will, some things have been spoken to us that really kind of just fly over our heads. Other things drop into our hearts because they're truly powerful words of the Holy Spirit to our lives. Or how about when the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to us? When you're just going on a long life, you're driving down the road, your mind's on something, all of a sudden there's a thought 
that you realize is more than a thought. Something that you may not just pass off. It says, call that person. Or I spoke last week about when the Lord told me to baptize a general, a Dominican. I could not shake it. The Holy Spirit was saying, Kent, I've got a word for, I have something I want to do with this man, and you're the guy for the hour, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Those are beautiful times. Or dreams or visions. You ever woke up, and sometimes you have dreams, and you're like, I ate something bad last night. Right? You dream, you go, that's just, there's nothing to that dream. Other times you have a dream, and you wake up, and there's something to the dream. There's something that, get, that drops it in your heart and you say, I don't even remember my dreams very much, but that dream, I, I think God was in that. He was speaking to me in the nighttime. And I think God does that quite a bit with us. We, we write it off, but that's when some of our mental processes that we defend ourselves from the Holy Spirit, we're a little bit more receptible to what God wants to speak to us. So when God speaks to you in a dream, don't just write it off. Let him communicate to you. Isn't it beautiful that we serve a God that speaks today? This is not a list of, the Bible is not a list of rules or principles that we should just live by. There's principles and rules you should live by, but we serve a living God that cares about your life, that wants to speak and communicate to you. But one of the ways that God does that is he does it through his angels. And he still uses angels today. And in the Bible, that method of communicating, especially around Christmas time, the, the angels were like in hyper period of time. I don't know. They were just like on call and moving during Christmas time. Just think of some of the ways where the angels were popping up around the Christmas season. The Gabriel appeared to Zechariah in the temple. Said, You're gonna, your wife's going to have a son. You're going to call him John. That whole story, the angel there in the temple. You have the angels appearing to Joseph and appearing to Mary and to Joseph. And I think it was so good of God not just to send an angel to Mary. How many of you know that Joseph needed a little help here? I mean, I, you know, if, you, if this was your fiancé, I think I'd need an angel to appear to me and say, there is something of God going on here. The angel appeared to the Magi in a dream, warning them of danger. The angels appeared again to Joseph in a dream, warning him of danger, time to flee. And the angels appeared to the shepherds on the hillside, announcing the birth of Jesus. And although it appears that God had, has like a hundred million angels or more, I don't think there's really a clear number, but he's got a lot of angels who are ready to do his bidding. I think he's got a few favorites. And one of these favorites is the angel Gabriel. I think Gabriel was his go-to man. When God really wanted to get an important message out, it was like, Gabriel, come here. And Gabriel must have been a powerful, still is a powerful, magnificent angel. God's heavy hitter. And I want to look at the scriptures and look at the Bible 
story of Christmas a little today through what it must have been like for Gabriel. What he must have, an angel trying to understand what God was doing at Christmas time. And my hope is that as we look at through the eyes of Gabriel, that more awe and wonder would be formed in your heart. That Christmas time would never become just old hat, the tree, the stars, just get through it, the cute little kids singing in the choir. I love all of that. It's all nostalgic and beautiful, but that we would never lose the awe the wonder of Christmas would be planted in our heart. So Gabriel, he would have been present at the creation of the world. Imagine that. The angels watching God create our world. He would have watched God speaking into existence our universe. All through Christ, the scripture says in 1 John 1, 3, all things were made through him, through Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. So understand the world was, Jesus is the word of God, and through God's spoken world, our world came into existence. So imagine the angels there at the side, before the throne of God, and God says, let there be light, and there's light. Let there be the earth and the heavens, and, and they come into existence simply through the spoken word of God. Gabriel would have witnessed all that. Gabriel would have been wide-eyed as God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are all together at creation, formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into his body. Can you imagine the angels just hovering, going, what is going on? What is he doing here as God forms mankind, forms Adam? It says in Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Genesis 1-27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Amazing, the angels are not created in the image of God. We are. So we have no record of anything ever being created in God's image before us. And the angels, giving glory to God, would be looking down and going, what is he doing? He's forming mankind with free will, with the ability to truly love. He's forming them into the image of God. And the angels must have wondered at God's plan. And then I can imagine Gabriel watching sin enter into the world. The angels looking at these created beings, you and me, and watching Adam and Eve choose to sin. I can just kind of imagine the millions of angels going, Stop that. Can you imagine saying, no, you don't, you don't want to go down that road. I was thinking of that this week, and I think of when I watch a Vikings game with my buddies. 
don't throw that pass. <laughs> what are you you're yelling at a, at a television, right? It really, it's socially acceptable, but it's totally strange. You're yelling at the guy going, why, do, why would you run up the middle? What, you're, and I, the angels must have been looking down at us, wanting to say, don't do that. So man falls into sin. And they begin this incredible cycle. They worship God. They walk with God. And then they fall into sin and they worship a golden calf. And the angels shake their heads. And and then they repent, and God restores them and redeems them. And they worship God, and then they rebel against God. You ever read through the story of the the tribes, and you shake your head and go, what a bunch of idiots. How they, they, They turn to God... It goes well, they turn against God, they get fat, they, and then they fall again, and then he brings judges, and then they come back to God, and it goes over and over again. And when I look at that, I think, come on, get it right, guys. And then I look at my life and our lives, and I go, we really aren't all that much different. And the angels, Gabriel, would watch this year after year, decade after decade. I can just see these angels standing in unwavering obedience before the throne of God, looking down at us and just going, when will they get it together? And then one day, about 2,000 years ago, the Bible says, in the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. So there came a time where God said, this is that time. We can guess what made that the time of God, But God looked at the world's formation and went, this is the time I'm going to send my son into the world. And I tried to imagine that heavenly council. God drawing together that heavenly council and saying, here's my plan, guys. Not that he needed any authorization or approval, but he communicates. And he would have said something like, I'm going to send Jesus into the world as a human baby. And he's going to be born in a barn with dirty animals. Going to be born to a Jewish virgin woman named Mary. And as such, he will be fully God and fully man. And then he will grow and live among men, helping them better understand the kingdom of God, and then, but they'll reject him and he will die a perfect sacrifice for their sins so that they can be redeemed to me. And if I were Angel Gabriel, I would once again shake my head and say, What? Really? 
Have you not watched the last thousands of years how these humans live? Is this really a good plan? Is this, do, do humans really deserve such love? Do they really deserve that level of sacrifice? Are they really worth it? Do you ever ask those questions? And I think the father would have responded if those questions had been asked. I think he would have responded something like, no, they don't deserve my love, but yes, they are so worth it. Because I have stamped my image upon each and every one of them. And they are so worth it because I love them so deeply that they are therefore worth this incredible sacrifice of Christ. And I believe he would say, Gabriel, come. You're my man. I've got a message for you to deliver. And Gabriel, not fully understanding maybe the whole scope of redemption, would have come as a faithful soldier of God. And God says, I've chosen you to be my messenger. I'll send you to, be to a young woman in Nazareth of Galilee. And you will have the honor of delivering my word, my word of promise to her, that she has been chosen to be the mother of the Christ who will save the world from their sins. And so at the time, in the fullness of time, Gabriel appeared to Mary, a Jewish virgin of maybe 14 or 15 years old. She must have been really pure of heart. You ever met those young teenage women that just love Jesus? That pureness of heart, that closeness with God and Gabriel came to her says greetings O favored one the Lord is with you I want to ask you how would you respond if an angel showed up and said that to you greetings O favored one the Lord is with you and Mary it says was greatly troubled why wasn't she just happy as could be I think she's going, all right, something's up. This is not the end of this message. Greetings, O favor one. The Lord is with you. And Mary says, okay, what's going on here? The angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And I think Mary was thinking something like, okay, that's nice. I'm glad God likes me. I'm glad he's favorable towards me. But what have you come here for? What is, what, what's up? And Gabriel says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and call his name Jesus. He'll be great, called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him to the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there'll be no end. I think Mary tuned out that whole last three or four sentences. All those wonderful prophetic words, I think Mary just kind of went, whoa. What it, I think she said, slow down. I think I heard you say I'm going to be pregnant. And Mary says, how can this be since I am a virgin? I can imagine her thinking or saying something like, 
I mean, I may be young, but I understand the basics of how babies are made. It takes a man and a woman, and I've never been with a man. So what's this pregnancy stuff? And the angel responds to her and says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is a sixth month with her, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Why don't you say that with me? For nothing will be impossible with God. I mean, Mary's head must have been spinning. And I guess I'd ask you a couple questions this morning. What are you looking at in your life and saying, well, that's impossible. That's not the way this world works. I mean, that can't happen. You've got to be practical. You've got to be realistic, grounded, not so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. You ever heard that? Sometimes I think we could swing that pendulum a little more towards heavenly-minded. Because sometimes we're so grounded that we would just say, well, God, that doesn't work that way. That can't happen. But the angel said to her, for nothing will be impossible with God. I think we need some more dreamers in this world who will believe the word of God. Who will stand with what the word of God says, even when it doesn't make sense to us. To Mary, this made no sense. That you're going to be pregnant as a virgin. May I ask you the question, if someone came to you and said, I'm pregnant, but I've never been with a man, would you believe them? I, I don't think I would. And Mary knew that if I accept this word of God to me, that it's going to be a life changer. I mean, Mary knew that the world would think she'd been immoral. Mary knew that she'd be judged for being pregnant before being married. And probably a good chance that she would be stoned to death. Immoral women were had the possibility of being killed for their immorality. And they would have proof in her pregnancy. Mary knew all of that. And then she says these beautiful words, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to thy word. Well, when God speaks something to you, what's your response? My prayer is that we would have the attitude, the heart of Mary, that when God speaks something to you that's scary, we talked about the video today was inviting someone to church. What if God speaks to you and says, go invite that neighbor? What are you going to do? You're going to say, yeah, he won't really respond. I don't think so. Or do you say, behold, the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. How do we respond when God speaks to us? You might say, well, if Gabriel shows up to me, 
If he shows up then, okay, that's fair, but um, God has other ways of speaking to us today. And Mary, without full understanding, without guarding or protecting her life or her reputation or her future, she submitted herself to God's plans and purposes to work through her life. I don't know what would have happened if Mary said, I'm sorry, they kill immoral women. Nobody will ever understand. Find somebody else. I don't know what would have happened. Probably God would have found somebody else. Someone, but God knew her heart. He knew her purity and her submission to God. And Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And Gabriel must have smiled. Hearing those words, he must have said, That's what we are waiting for. For Mary to receive God's promise to her. The chosen maiden had submitted to God's will and divine plan to be a vessel that God wanted to use to bring redemption to our world. And the angel departed from her. Mission accomplished. His job had, done, had been done. He returned to the Father. But I think Gabriel must have returned and had a lot of questions going home. Saying things like, why would Christ come in such humility and such weakness? I mean, if I were God, I'd be born prince. You know, be born to a king. Come in a palace. And even that would have been a hobble. Just a, a really poor place for the king of glory to be born in a simple human palace. Why wouldn't Christ be born in, in great glory with fanfare? Why would he leave his glory? And one thing the Lord has really spoken to me this week, and I just want to leave with you, is that true greatness is achieved through great humility. I say that again. The greatness of God was that he was so secure in his own greatness that he could humble himself to the furthest degree. And in our lives, true greatness is found in humility. We're called in Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves. So I want to say that again. Have this mind among yourselves. So folks, this is how you should think. Ready? Philippians 2, verse 5. Think this way, which is yours in Christ Jesus, which to me says you can't make this up yourself. But this is available to us in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the amazing God we serve. 
you realize that when Satan fell from heaven, speaks about him taking a third of the angels with him, and his sin was that he said, I shall be as God. That sin of pride was really the original sin that wanted to lift himself up. And I believe God showed the exact dichotomy or opposite of that sin of I will be, it's all about me, I will find my power, I will find my glory, and Christ said I will lay it all down. I will come in humility, in poverty, and I will come into the world laying it down, and through that, he did not have to make a name for himself, but God raised him up in glory. And I would like to challenge us this Christmas season that we would have the mind of Christ. That mind of Christ of humility. And that we'd look for ways, the worship team come on up, and we'd look for ways to serve other people this Christmas time. You know, that's where Christ is lifted up in the world. When Christians quietly, without fanfare, I don't want to hear any emails about it, right? Don't write me and tell me the great things you did. Just let the Lord see. And I believe that if we have that same heart of Christ, that the world will see Christ in our lives as we serve people, as we bring people into our homes, as we look for ways to sacrificially give of ourselves. So that's my challenge for us this week, this Christmas season. Look for ways to serve someone in need. Look for ways to reach outside of yourself. One of the great things that Christ does in our lives when we truly let Christ reign in our lives is he turns the focus from what about me, how about me, to how can I be used as a vessel of God to bring joy and life and care in this world. And that's what Christ modeled for us. He modeled that humility that came and was born as a baby to die for our sins. And that's my heart for us this Christmas, that we would be those who represent Christ in that way here in the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you loved us so much as to humble yourself. You didn't need to, God. But you didn't hold on to all your privilege, but you laid it down for us. And God, I pray that that same mind would be in us. That same mind that was in Christ Jesus, that way of thinking. And that God, we would so be your hands and feet in this world. And that as a result, people would come to know you and see you and understand the reality of who you are in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple things as we close today. If you're a guest, I'd love to meet with you out there at the Welcome Center. Love to greet you personally. If you like some ministry, someone to pray for you, someone to...